Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. It was a short, polite, at times a bit stilted, message to the camera. Every four years, we are told the same thing, that this is the most important election of our lifetime. But this one is. Tonight reminds us of how important it is to watch out for each other, to care for each other, and to inspire each other. When Harry and Meghan speak, a lot of people listen. The royal couple's recent video urging Americans to get out and vote ahead of next month's presidential election has caused quite a stir. Are they upholding the values of the Queen? I think there would be an awful lot of people who'd say, if they start getting involved in US politics, no, they're not. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been in the headlines again, and some are accusing them of tarnishing the royal brand. They are definitely stepping up very close to the line. But are they? How much of what the Sussexes are doing is really all that new to the royal family. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Harry and Meghan. Have they passed a point of no return? If you're happy, we can, we can begin. Hello, I'm Valentine Lowe, and I write about the royal family for The Times. And how long have you been doing that? About 12 years. I used to do it off and on for my last paper, the London Evening Standard. Is it a fun gig? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The fun bits are great. It's always interesting when the royal family is trying to tear itself apart, as has happened with Harry and Meghan. History in the making. You've certainly had a lot to write about recently. Yeah, certainly have, yeah. Now, we're just six weeks out from Election Day, and today is National Voter Registration Day. Every four years, we are told the same thing, that this is the most important election of our lifetime. But this one is. Just two weeks ago, Harry and Meghan appeared on American TV. The couple were delivering a short piece to camera, and it came with a warning. 
It was linked to some Time magazine list of influential people. Harry and Meghan weren't winning anything on this list, but they were there as sort of guests of honour or something like that. And they made a little video and they were sat in their garden in California on a bench and it all looked very lovely. As we approach this November, it's vital that we reject hate speech, misinformation and online negativity. They started talking initially about trying to remove hate speech from online talk during the election. But this was their most active joint participation in the election. Now, they weren't saying who to vote for. They were encouraging people to vote, which is, you could argue, a sort of perfectly normal, decent, non-committal thing to do. Civic duty. (laughs) Yeah, yes, exactly. I'm not going to be able to vote here in the US. But many of you may not know that I haven't been able to vote in the UK my entire life. Although why Harry, who doesn't vote in this country and can't vote in the US, is trying to encourage people to vote in the US is, you know, perhaps a little unusual. But Megan called it the yeah, most important election in a lifetime. And you have to ask yourself, well, what do you mean by that, Megan? Why is it the most important? And of course, she didn't say the, say the answer, but the answer is quite clearly because Donald Trump is in the White House and we want to get rid of him. She has made no secret of her support for Biden over Trump. Now, the Duchess of Sussex hasn't openly backed Joe Biden, but she has publicly praised his running mate, Kamala Harris. And her antipathy towards President Trump is no great secret either. But why does it matter? Well, the royal family are expected to be independent and above the political fray. So have Harry and Meghan broken that convention? It's a question of whether they cross the line. Now, some people got incredibly exercised. But he now wants to poke his royal nose into politics in America and effectively advocate for a candidate to beat Donald Trump. That's what he did in that, in that video they made. Piers that Morgan just went off on one. Of the royal they are definitely stepping up very close to the line. And I, I spoke to someone I know who used to be a very senior palace advisor, and he said this would be causing extreme concern in the palace. They'd be getting very worried about this because she's got very strong views. What are they going to do next? Although, very interestingly, nervousness amongst the courtiers, but this former advisor said maybe in the family themselves, less so. Maybe they have already discounted what, oh, really? what, what, what Harry and Meghan. Maybe this is speculation, but it's, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's speculation from someone who, who knows what they're talking about. Maybe they would have thought Harry and Meghan are just off doing what they want. They've always said they want to be independent. Some of it is, is reactive to things that just haven't happened, which is. In some ways, I think you have to have a sense of humor about it, even though there is quite a bit of gravity and there can be a lot of danger in a misinterpretation of something that was never there to begin with. She did go on some virtual summit for Fortune, Fortune magazine. It was all about powerful and influential women. And she said, If you look back at anything that I've said, it's really interesting because it often ends up, what ends up being inflammatory, it seems, is people's interpretation of it. But if you listen to what I actually say, it's not controversial. And in a sense, she's right. But the point is, she's such a divisive figure. She has huge fans and supporters and admirers and huge detractors that everything she does gets picked over relentlessly and interpreted. I've had a 
as a, an awakening as such of my own because I, I wasn't aware of so many of the issues and so many of the problems with, uh, within the UK, but also globally as well. I thought I did, but I didn't. And on Thursday last week, the couple teamed up with your old newspaper, The Evening Standard, to discuss Black History Month here in the UK. What did they say? Well, they talked about structural racism, which is always going to get people worked up. What they had to say was that you know, minority communities live in a world created by white people for white people. And as long as structural racism exists, young people of colour won't have the same opportunities as white people. In a way, this is totally unacceptable stuff. It's what a lot of people believe. It's undeniable that there are still sort of differences in opportunity along racial lines in in this country and in other countries. And how has that gone down? I saw your article in The Times had plenty of comments. The comments, I've been looking at the comments and um, they are, I'm afraid to say, heavily weighted against Harry and Meghan. I mean, look, there are people there who support them. And of course, in the country as a whole, there are lots of people who support them. This thing about whether you're pro or anti, Harry and Meghan divides along generational lines, it divides along cultural lines. But an awful lot of people had things to say that they are being patronising. And some one person said wonderfully that it was, she was, they were very glad to hear from an actual prince that racism is bad. Who knew? That was the kind of level of sarcasm we had. Have any reflections on the Black Lives Matter movement in the UK in particular? I think the impetus is from a place of recognizing equality. And if you just go back to its ground level of that, then I don't think there's anything controversial about it. Is talking about structural racism allowed, or would that be seen as political? I don't think there's really such a thing as allowed, really, certainly not when it comes to this. It's not political because it's not partially political. They're voicing opinions which might be controversial, but members of the royal family have done that before. I mean, a lot of what Prince Charles has had to say over the years has been very controversial. People then have strong opinions about Prince Charles, whether they agree with what he says, but, you know... There's no sense of not being allowed to say this. And Harry and Meghan made it clear they want to be independent and no one is going to stop them saying this. No one even thinks about stopping them saying this. They're free, in a sense, to say what they like. And with their new independence, I mean, how far can they go? Is the line the same as it would be for the rest of the royal family? We're in uncharted territory, really. We haven't had anything quite like this before. When Harry and Meghan drew up their agreement to leave the royal family, to stop being working royals, they said they would continue to uphold the values of Her Majesty. That's a phrase that's open to interpretation. They're private citizens now and therefore entitled to private views and entitled to express them. But are they upholding the values of the Queen? I think there would be an awful lot of people who'd say if they start getting involved in US politics, no, they're not. I mean, would they be allowed as independent private citizens, would they be allowed to be overtly political? Because there was, there was sort of speculation afterwards that perhaps Meghan Markle would run for president one day. That's a bit of speculation that will continue to dog us until until her dying day, I think. She's a hugely ambitious woman. Meghan is always moving forward. Uh, she never stops. She's always thinking of the next move or three moves ahead, possibly. I think 
Possibly, if she thinks hard about it, she'll think that a presidential career is not open to her. But, you know, who knows? Uh, She might get involved in politics. Obviously, they are in a private capacity now. But even, even members of the royal family, even the Queen, has occasionally wandered into political matters, hasn't she? Yes. I mean, there was the absolutely fascinating occurrence during the uh, Scottish independence referendum when she emerged from church, uh, Crathy Kirk, outside Balmoral, and had a chat with a member of the crowd. And she said something along the lines of, well, I hope people will think very carefully about the future before they vote. When the palace was quizzed about this at the time, they said, oh, no, it's just, you know, it's just she doesn't mean anything political by that. She just urged people to think carefully. It was only later that the truth emerged, the truth emerged that she she had been primed. And indeed, the person she spoke to had been set up and it was arranged that a, a journalist would be able to either hear this exchange or be briefed about this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary and highly controversial ever since. Harry and Meghan have been sort of wading into controversy elsewhere too. I mean, recently there were rumours that they were going to be part of a fly-on-the-wall documentary series for Netflix. When I saw that story, it, to be honest, it didn't have the ring of truth. I mean, the idea that Harry and Meghan would do some sort of Kardashian-type programme, one of the main reasons why they left this country was what they regarded as intrusiveness by the media. So the idea that they would let the television cameras intrude all over their life is just frankly implausible. But you do wonder, well, maybe maybe there's just a, a slither of truth in what was written. And maybe they are talking about doing some kind of documentary about their charitable works. And we don't really know what their charitable works are yet, but maybe some sort of documentary about that in which they would appear on camera so we would see them doing their you know doing their stuff doing their work not perhaps private personal moments at home but you know working charitable stuff but their people said they're not doing a reality program they were absolutely clear about that but being in a royal tv program is hardly a new idea Prince Edward, the Queen's youngest son, spent years as a TV producer. And in the 1980s, he created a royal version of the hit British game show series, It's a Knockout. Noble spectator, lay aside all worries, cast aside all cares and travel with us back, back through time to a magical era when England's isle was green and pleasant. You can find clips of it now in compilations titled embarrassing tv from the 1980s and when every heroic night for the love his television career was not crowned in glory in the late 1980s he when he was quite young i think he was in his early 20s he had this absolutely wizzo plan to do uh, it's a roll knockout which is for charity I mean, these were all things, they're always for charity, aren't they? And it involved Andrew and Fergie. It's uh, very good, thank you very much. But everyone else is going to suffer after we win. And Edward. Ah, well, that's because we've got a pretty good team. They're all... And they're all fit. And Anne. No, not until later when we won. (laughs) 
dressing up in ridiculous sort of cod Elizabethan costumes and doing absurd things with a bunch of celebrities. And so in the lead now, with two jokers played, the Duchess of York with 16 points, the Princess Royal with 13, the Duke of York with nine, and Prince Edward with seven points. And on with the tournament. It was... <laughs> excruciating I mean, the, it was the costumes inane. make it worse it was, somehow don't they, don't they? It, it, it was embarrassing it was awful I, I think Prince Philip was pretty scathing about the whole affair he thought it made them look <laughs> daft and I think most people would agree with him obviously Harry and Meghan's deal with Netflix is a whole different order. Netflix is this hugely professional machine. You know, they will be running things. I mean, Megan will be expressing her opinion forcefully, but Netflix is not going to make any programs they don't want to make, and it's not going to make any programs they think won't go well. And the other thing about the Netflix deal is people have touted incredible figures. They've talked about uh, one figure that gets repeated. It's a £112 million deal. Well, A, I think that's probably made up. And B, it's sort of meaningless and misleading because Harry and Meghan, they're not getting £112 million. They will get a small number of millions. I mean, Mandy, you and I would be delighted to get a small number of millions. Uh, <laughs> I need to say. Uh, they <laughs> Don't will knock get, it. <laughs> they will get a small a retainer, a small, you know, a million or two, whatever, per year, as a retainer. And then they will get paid for the programs they make. But, you know, a lot of that money is going to the directors, the cameramen, the sound people, all everyone else involved in the program. That's where this supposed figure of, you know, 100 million odd will go. Right. So, yes, that'll go, but it'll go to other people. And it's interesting that there was such a, a furore about the idea of them doing something Kardashian-like, something which sort of showed their private life at home, because that's not new for the royal family either, is it? There was this famous, famous documentary, which I've never seen. It was made in 1969. <laughs> And it showed the royal family in a, in a wholly different light. It showed them at home. And, you know, the clips we've seen since, they're sort of quite embarrassing. They're sort of slightly, slightly stilted and self-aware. What did it actually show? It showed the Queen dealing with her red boxes, you know, the government papers she deals. Mm. It showed them around the breakfast table. I think we, we saw them watching television at one point. I think we saw Charles practising the cello. Charles used to play the cello. And at one point, the st a string broke and it sort of hit Edward in the eye. Edward was sort of young at the time. And I think Edward was not very happy about this. <laughs> I mean, this sounds and hilarious. <laughs> it, and it showed them having a picnic at Balmoral. They're very keen on their picnics at Balmoral. And the whole programme has not been seen. I think it's due a repeat. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. They won't repeat it. It was repeated... I mean, it was hugely successful. It was, it was watched by millions and millions of people. And there was a, one or two repeats sort of at the time. But since the early 1970s, it's not been repeated in full. You can't see it again in full. I can't. I'd be unable wow. to find anyone to watch the whole thing, which is a shame. Do you think they felt too embarrassed afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Are they, are they better off with things like The Crown, which gives you sort of a, a, a Hollywood version or sort of, you know, sort of a, a more glamorous version than actually the reality? I'm not sure we could talk about them being better off with the crown because I, I'm afraid, Mandy, I know too much. I mean, the the, the crown is a is <laughs> tell a, me more <laughs> is 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 a slickly produced, well acted, lavish looking, fun series. But to my mind, they just make up too much. They get the little things right, you know. So as well, all the all the kind of funny little details, right? But They'll invent storylines which are just nonsense. I just throw bread rolls at the television when I watch it <laughs> because I say that you, you, can't, you can't do that. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, the problem with all this is that they want to have their royal cake and eat it. They want to trade off the royal titles and the royal name uh, to make vast amounts of money, which is what they're now doing. But surely that is completely, and you've covered the royals for a long time, completely inconsistent with what we would expect from our royals. With Harry and Meghan and all of these controversies really that have popped up recently there has been talk and speculation about whether whether or not they should lose their titles is that on the cards i don't think it is there are two things they got one is they got their hrh his her royal highness title which they have but they agreed not to use so they've sort of put those in cold storage ah. and the other is their duke and duchess of sussex title as far as the Royal Highness thing goes, the palace has learnt from the days of Diana. Diana lost her HRH, and it was seen to be a vindictive act by the palace. And the palace was 
desperate not to be seen vindictive in, in these circumstances. They wanted to leave the door open for Harry, and I think they will always leave the door open for Harry to sort of come back in some sense. And they don't want to be seen as punishing them. That would be incredibly bad PR. It would go down very badly with people. And the other thing is Duke and Duchess of Sussex, that was given on their wedding day. Uh, I think the Queen would just never take that away from them. Whatever happened, they'd always be the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And of course, in a sense, it doesn't matter because their market is America. That's what's important to them. Not, not here. It's America and international. And in America, they're always getting the titles wrong. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, the Duchess of Cambridge is Princess Kate half the time. Well, um, to stuffy old pedants like myself, <laughs> she's not Princess Kate. She's Princess William, if she's anything, but she's not Princess Catherine. It's the kind of the way these titles are. So people are always getting titles wrong. And um, Meghan, of course, is, is Duchess Meghan, which is another sort of great, <laughs> great howler. Uh, but none of this matters because Americans will call them what they want. So it appears it's unlikely they'll be stripped of their titles, but it's not out of the question. One comparison people have been making is with Wallace Simpson. She, like Meghan, was also an American divorcee when she married Edward VIII in 1937. Edward VIII was the king who ruled for such a short time that he didn't even have a coronation. He acceded to the throne at the beginning of 1936 and by December he was out. It was all over Wallace Simpson who was divorced twice and he wanted to marry her. The rules, the conventions of the time said, no, you can't. And it was a huge controversy. In the end, he had to decide between whether to marry Wallace Simpson, the woman he loved, or to abdicate the throne. And he decided to abdicate. But you must believe me when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. It was a huge shock for the country, for the royal family, and the royal family, it's always been there as a kind of dark shadow in the past. A lot of what they do has always been influenced by this and their desire not to have anything like this happen ever again. But the controversy surrounding the abdication and the marriage was further compounded by the actions of Edward's brother, the new king. His younger brother became George VI. First of all, his younger brother took Edward's HRH away and then he gave it back, he gave it back again. Oh, really? So, so he was going to be called His Royal Highness the Duke of Windsor. So was that another HRH in cold storage, effectively? Yes. But no, see, he was allowed to, he was allowed to, to call himself HRH, the Duke of Windsor. But his wife wasn't. This was a, a cause of much bitterness between them. Hugely resented by the Duke of Windsor. He thought it was an insult to his wife and... Very kind of touchingly, if not slightly madly, apparently later they lived in France in their later years, and apparently their French staff would call the uh, the Duchess Saint Altesse Royale, you know, her Royal Highness. The official title almost doesn't matter, does it? Exactly, exactly. With Edward and, and Wallace, there was always sort of a, a sense of people thinking it wouldn't last. Are there lessons there? 
Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> they they loved each other, and Harry and Meghan love each other. You just have to see them together to realize there's a there's a very strong bond there. But there's an interesting comparison. Wallace Simpson was a strong personality, and she she led. I mean, he was the royal. He was the person who had the the, the fame, the title, the position, and. One could ask oneself, is that what's going to happen with Harry and Meghan? She's only famous because of him. But in a sense now, she's the one that people are interested in. She's the driver. So how did it all end for Edward and Wallace? They stayed together until his death in the early 1970s. So happily ever after? Relatively speaking, happily ever after. (laughs) Relatively speaking. So it's been 10 months now since January when they announced Megxit, the big split from from the royal family. How has it been? How has it gone? Well, it's been slightly knocked off course by COVID, as all our lives have been knocked off course by COVID. So we haven't seen anything of their non-profit organisation, Archwell. So we don't really kind of know what they're going to do. I mean, all they've done so far is sort of make a few TV appearances, the odd speech. So it's very much, I think the jury's still out. And then the Netflix deal, how successful will that be? That's an interesting question. Will they make a lot of programs that do really well for Netflix? Will they become this fantastic brand? Or will it just peter out after three or four years? And the other interesting question is money. They have got a lifestyle to support, and it's a really expensive lifestyle. So they've got this home in in California with a very big mortgage on it. They also have staff. They fly around the place. And back home, they've got this bolt hole, Frogmore Cottage. Harry, now we've been told, paid off the 2.4 million quid it it cost the taxpayer to do it up. But they're paying what we're told is a commercial rent on that. And that's going to be a pretty penny. Where are they going to get the money for all this? But, you know, we'll see. And looking ahead, they're appearing in court too. And they're appearing in court, yes. So Meghan is suing the Mail on Sunday for breach of privacy. This is going to be a massive case. In January, the case will be heard in the High Court. It centres around a letter Meghan wrote to her estranged father, Thomas Markle. The Mail on Sunday published it, but she says they shouldn't have, as it was her copyright. We've been told that Thomas Markle is prepared to give evidence. Well, yet to be confirmed that will actually take place, that he'll actually appear in court, you know, slightly up in the air. And just last week, we had the result of one of the preliminary hearings about whether the Mail on Sunday can use the book Finding Freedom as part of their defence. The book came out in August and was about Harry and Meghan. Now, the argument there is that the book looks looks as though it had cooperation from Meghan. And therefore, the Mail on Sunday would argue that here she is invading her own privacy. Meghan's lawyers strongly resisted this one. They said, no, no, the book is, is just nonsense. It's all based on what's been in the tabloids. They didn't interview Meghan. They didn't speak to her. She didn't, she didn't collaborate with them. In the end, the judge said, nah, 
uh, Mail on Sunday, they can use this book. So we now have the prospect of Megan being cross-examined about the extent to which she cooperated with the book. It's going to be, it's going to be a circus, Manveen. It's going to be an absolute circus. And, and when I say circus, I mean circus Roman style. There's going to be blood in the arena. Yeah. Good day to be a royal correspondent. Absolutely. <laughs> There's also sort of been uh, about their time as a as sort of an independent entity. There's been a lot of sort of speculation, real narrative in the media that Meghan is sort of ruling over Harry and he's somehow pining for home. Is there any truth to that? Do we have any evidence to show that might be true? I don't know. It's very hard to say, Manveen. Meghan mm. doesn't return my calls. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad um, you're still trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, she blocked you again. She, you know, he's left a lot behind. She's gone back to her roots. She's gone back to California. All his old friends, army friends, school friends, whatever, he's left an awful lot behind. And I don't claim to know about whether, you know, he's pining for Windsor, pining for his old Etonian mates, but it's certainly something you've got to take seriously. It's certainly a possibility. But perhaps he's going to embrace his new life, embrace his new California lifestyle. I mean, he certainly has embraced marriage to Megan. I mean, he drinks his juices, he does his yoga, he's, he's full of mindfulness, is Harry. Watch this space. And for you, as, as royal correspondent, how successful have they been since the split? I think they have been pretty successful. They are absolutely lauded in America. And they've landed this deal with Netflix, which is, it's a coup for them. It's setting out a possible future for them. And, you know, they might be annoying sometimes, but I wish them all the best. And if that works out, if things work out, great. They, they haven't failed yet. And actually, do we want them to fail? No, of course we don't. So let's see what happens. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Valentine Lowe, the Times Royal Correspondent. You can read more of Valentine's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Will Rowe. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Nicola Rawfast. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. Please do leave us a review if you can. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and now we're also available on the Times radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio in the App Store. We'll be back tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST.
podcast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 